Hey folks, welcome to another show. This is the Live Life Aggressively Podcast. Mike Mahler, Sincere Hogan. And man, we are we are amped up. We got like a lot of yeah. stuff amped up this yeah. starting this show. First of all, it's April. It's April and we're starting off with a bang. Well I guess we'll get into that in just a few moments. But also we're starting off with a bang for the fact that we've got a big announcement, folks. A big announcement on top of the big announcement. So all right, Mike, let's just let's just roll with it, man. Just a lot of banging going on right now. It's been a bang, real bang, banging bang. weekend you know, on multiple fronts. <laughs> like the dad on next Friday. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> Not only we have we have one of what's likely going to be one of our favorite guests of all time on today. That's killer alone, and it's not April Fool's Day, so it's really going to happen. I mean, it is April Fool's Day, but it's not an April Fool's prank, so that's really going to happen. But also, one of our listeners, Jason Crow. He didn't want to dick around and just get on our VIP list. Jason's committed. He said, look, guys, just tell me where to send the money, and I'll send it so I can now, sign VIP up. How about, we talking how about, about? that? What, what, uh, yeah, first of all, what VIP list are we talking about? Just case, this yeah, is we're talking about the workshop. We're talking about our Vegas. If you're a first-time listener, shame on you. This is the first time you listen to the show. You should be, you should have been, we've been doing the show for almost a year now, so shame on you. All right, now that point aside, <laughs> we are doing an ultimate course in Las Vegas. Me, Sincere Hogan, Ken Blackburn, Steve Cotter, two days. September 2021. 20, it's going to be an incredible course. We'll talk more about that in a second. But what we're doing is a special to all of our podcast listeners. What we were doing is we were asking people to email us to be put on a VIP list so that when we get the ad copy up on our respective websites and start taking registrations, we'll give you first dibs to get in at the lowest price possible. Then one of our listeners gave us an even better idea. Jason Crow just emailed us and said, just tell me where to send the money and I'm going to send it because I want to come out to this course. I know you guys get a lot of people who talk and never back it up, and I don't want to be one of those people. So mad props out to you, Jason. Really appreciate it, and we're going we're gonna to do something special for you at the course. I'm not going to say what it is yet. It's going to be a surprise, but we're going to make sure that you're rewarded accordingly because you were the first guy to sign up for our course. The Crow Effect, well, baby. It's the Crow Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you know what? I love people who take initiative, man. I love people who back it up. They don't just talk about crap and never do anything about it. So mad props to you, Jason. Okay, now he gave us a great idea. So here's the second reason we're going to reward Jason. I was talking to Sincere. We were just texting him back and forth. I go, man, why don't we just ask people on our VIP list to sign up right now? No ad copy, nothing. Just a brief description of what we're going to do. I sent an email saying kettlebells, body weights. There's going to be the four of us. These are the dates. You know, not a whole lot of detail. But I said, look, we're going to allow you to get in now for seven ninety nine ninety five. And that's not $7, folks. It's $799.95. Once we put the ad copy up, the price is going to $1,195. So it's going to be about $1,200. And that's not probably. That's a certainty. That's definitely going to happen. Now, here's why. The reason why it's going to happen is because we had 16 people sign up in less than 24 hours. One day. 16 people. And actually, and actually, I was going to name <laughs> off all 16 of you folks, but our guest today, is he's ready to get on. So what we're going to do is we're going to save that for after the episode yeah. because it's going to take a while for me to name <laughs> off all 16 guests. And we have one guy, I'll just mention him real quick, Stefan Costello, who was the second guy to sign up. He's coming in from Australia. So I don't want to hear about how it's going to be rough to fly from Kansas to Vegas or you know, you've got to come in from Idaho or you know, uh, Virginia so far away. I don't want to hear it. We're, we got a guy from Australia. Now, on that note, hold on one second, folks. Our guest is calling. Okay, folks, we have one. I mean, both Sincere and myself are huge MMA fans, f- huge combat athlete fans, and I've been a fan of this guy for a long time. In fact, when my brother lived in Japan, this is around 1998, 
I used to have him record episodes of King of a Pancrase, Pride, and send it out to me to check out. And that's where I first came across our guest today, which is mm -hmm. the one and only Boss Rudin. And his fights were completely exciting. I remember watching him fight Frank Shamrock, another one of my favorite fighters, and those were really exciting fights. And then Boss transitioned it over to the UFC, and that was really exciting as well. But he's also been one of the few guys to transition from being a professional athlete to a successful actor, incredible commentator. He's on a show right now inside MMA. He was a pride commentator. He was in a movie called Here Comes the Boom, and he did a great job in that movie. Boss Bruton, welcome okay. to the show. Hey, man. Well, very, thank you very much. That was a great introduction. Long one, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, you were really good in Here Comes the Boom, because we've yeah. seen a lot of different UFC fighters, and not to knock anyone, I'm, I'm for anyone who's trying to pursue their goals, but you know, they come off flat, and it's just not that exciting, but you, you were actually really funny in that movie, you were really charismatic. You kind of stole the show, man. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I was, I was amazed, amazed with the reviews, even from the, you know, from the, from the big uh, review people, I yeah. have still great reviews, and uh, that, was, that was amazing, it's very happy. How, how difficult was it for you to transition into being an actor? Was that something that you found kind of came naturally to you because you have such a charismatic personality, or was that a difficult transition for you? No, you know, I, I've been doing work before, and, uh, and it's just putting the work in. Um, I, because I know, I know Kevin James for a long time, like 17 years we know each other. Like within two months when I was in uh, the United States, I already got contacted by his management. So he used to do the same thing with you, uh, said, watch me uh, fight Pancras together with Joe Rogan. And when he found out I was here, he would love to, want to train with me. So we always had these little things at the King of Queens a few times. I was actually in Zookeeper and Paul Blart. And, you know, it was all these little parts, but I also did some uh, other projects myself. And one of them was in a short comedy we shot in New York, The Kingdom of Ultimate Power. And I went to the short film festival, and we actually won first prize. Wow. So uh, for him to sell me to the Sony people, mm -hmm. I believe that he used that video of that um, that movie because they said, "Hey, come on, man, he's a fighter. This is a big part. <laughs> one of the supporting actors." And he said, right. "Well, check this out." And they said, "Okay, we want to try." It was really cool because when I did my first scene, there was one doubter left, the money man there. Apparently, he did uh -huh. not really know. But after the first scene, that was the singing scene. That was my first scene of the movie. Right. <laughs> he, he, he came up to me and he said, man, I'm so sorry I doubted you. This is freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, that's a great story. And you were able to finish your career, too, on a 22-win streak. That's pretty impressive as well because, as we, as we all know on the, sh on the call, that a lot of fighters tend to go through a bad losing streak and then they finally retire. Was, was that something that was premeditated by you? You planned it out that way, or is it, was it just luck? It just happened to work out that way for you? Yeah, I guess it's just like I, I wanted to keep on fighting, but I, I, yeah. uh, I, I just broke down everything, my knees, no coverage on my kneecaps. I got tendonitis in both arms, which was something when I, that I had as a kid. It mm. actually stopped my track and field career, and it, I was amazed that it. I thought it was gone and totally, but at the end of my career, it started coming back. And it's something very extremely painful in, the, in your arms, it's like between the biceps and triceps. Mm. And once that starts, you know, once it hits, you, um, you, you can train 45 minutes and then uh, on the clock, I always say, and then you're in, in, in excruciating pain for like an hour and a half. Wow. And, and, you know, that takes really all the fun out of training because, you know, right. you know it's going to happen again and then two times a day. If it happens three weeks before, <laughs> you're really screwed. 
because right. then you know you're constantly i would lose weight from the pain you know wow. couldn't eat from the pain it was insane right. talking about right. a massive weight cut right there and you know uh, the story goes out you know this has been the popular story that you know you left mma on your own terms but i guess suffice it to say when it comes to injuries you're not really leaving on your own terms <laughs> do you think so? right yeah no i did not leave on my own terms <laughs> I, I didn't do anything for like seven years and they called me if i want to fight Kimo leopoldo and i said Kimo, does he want to fight me i said i just hang out with him he says yeah he asked for you i said okay i said, I said but let give me a week let me uh, because i didn't train for three and a half years let me uh, train a week and see what's up. So a week later, I called him. I said, yeah, let's do it. And I had like nine weeks. And man, it's, uh, the first week was really hard. I couldn't do the warm-up. But I, you know, I always was blessed with good genetics. So within weeks, I was hanging with the big guys again. You know? And then I went to uh, Vegas. I, I was sparring with all. I didn't even need the minute break. I was like, whoa. Everybody goes like, man. You're going to get a new career. This is crazy, you know. <laughs> so we were all excited, and then, boom. At the moment you're excited, all the injuries started coming back. I tore a groin. I pulled a rib out. I got my tendonitis back. My knees blew up every day with <laughs> grappling. So I go, yeah, okay. I, 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 this is going to be my last fight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're able to go off on a win, so that's always a good yeah. thing. And one thing I forgot to mention in the intro, of course, is you were a king of pancreas many times, defended it well, and, of course, you were a UFC lightweight champ. And I remember when they were promoting you really heavily when you were about to come into the UFC, world's greatest martial artist. They had those little commercials on every UFC for a long time. How, how much pressure did you feel from all of that coming into the UFC? Well, the thing was, I was injured going into that fight. And if they wouldn't have done all that promotion, I wouldn't yeah. have taken the fight at the end. Because I always told my students, you know, you know, if you're injured, then I was seriously injured. Somebody, I had somebody in a triangle choke in training. He was a really good wrestler. And he decided to lift me up and smack me in a corner. And my whole neck jammed up. I had a daughter at the time. She was like nine months old. She couldn't lay on my chest. I mean, yeah. I couldn't cough. I couldn't laugh. You know, so it was very hard to train for me. I didn't train for any takedown defense, and grappling was really hard to do. You know, and striking, we had to work around. It was pretty much only doing uh, focus bits and tight pads. So I go like, oh, man, you know. But they made such a hype of me. I go like, if I'm, if I'm not going to do this, people are going to think I'm scared. You know, you, as a fighter, you, you think that people have opinions, uh, which they have, but, you know, you shouldn't care. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I, I decided to still fight, you know, and that's why you see me in the beginning when I fight it, um, he gets me down and I get up right away and then he gets me down again. And then like after, you know, like a, a couple of minutes, I start stopping everything. Down. And uh, are you guys still there? Yeah, we're right here. Oh, okay. okay. And I start stopping everything down and then, you know, I start slowly but surely coming back into the game. I just need it, you know, because I didn't spar a lot, you know, it's, uh, it's hard. If, you, if you're a fighter that spars a lot, which I do, because I can't believe fighters who say that they spar once a week, I go, <laughs> that blows me away. I started laughing. They say, what do you do? I said, every day, two times a day. You know, we go hard. You know, we go, I'll try to knock you out. You better try to knock me out. Not to the head, of course, but we'll go for the body and the, and the legs, you know. If, if you want to slow it down, you got to tell your opponent, let's uh, take it down a notch. But since everybody's got big egos, nobody's going to say that. Right. <laughs> and you often see that a lot uh, when a lot of these fighters are getting ready for a big fight. They end up getting injured in, while they're training because nobody backs down. Like, you see guys like you know Dana and Joe Rogan, all these guys comment that these guys need to just tone it down a little bit in training, but 
how can you do that? So how can you prepare for a fight if somebody's just kind of going at you like halfway, you know? Is that going to really even get you ready for the fight? So it's, you know, the, the, the biggest problem is the wrestling. Uh, yeah. The wrestling, yeah. and then especially if you wear wrestling shoes, and mm -hmm. then if you're a total moron and you're going to go in a judo mat with wrestling shoes, mm -hmm. you know, you have too much traction. So then if you want to take somebody down and you plant your foot, or yeah. you both, maybe both feet, but it, you saw what Carnival happened with, with it when he planted his one foot, and that's not even on a wrestling mat, that's without a shoe. You have <laughs> so much traction, your whole upper body moves to the right, but then your foot stuck on the mat, and that's what constantly blows all those knees out, you know? You, right. I think, like, hmm. weeks before the fight, because what, especially when they start dehydrating, everything becomes weaker. I mean, you, you're dehydrating yourself. Your body needs right. the water, so don't do that. Uh, I would say train bare feet. You know, go even otherwise on socks if you don't want to have any med burns. Right, right. Now, one thing, you're just saying that, you know, you pretty much sparred every day, and you, I think one of the biggest things a lot of fighters looked up to was your work ethic. I mean, I remember reading somewhere where Tito Ortiz was saying that you were one of the guys he really looked up to and really inspired him to really get into this thing, man, and it's your work ethic. You know, how does that make you feel like when guys like that, you know, like Tito, who's a legend in his own, you know, say that they looked up to you? Because, I mean, he, one thing he always quoted saying is, like, you know, he would see things where guys are afraid to fight you. It just kind of right. reminds me because uh, I mentioned the last few shows that I'm reading Mike Tyson's book right now, and it was that same situation where a lot of these guys, man, just quit in the fight because they were just afraid of this guy, and they tried to act like they weren't. And here you are, same thing with you. A lot of guys were just really afraid to fight you, but it's crazy because you seem like the nicest guy in the world, but you're a terror in the ring. So, you know, how does that make you feel, man? You know, it makes me feel good. You know what I really like about Tito? Tito's always been very honest, a very smart guy. And, mm -hmm. and when he lost against Frank, I, I was actually uh, there at the fight, and he lost by simply stamina problems. And right. he, I remember the next day, we were driving back in the van, they drive us back to the um, to the airport, and he's in the van. And we started talking, and then he said, so, uh, "Yeah, well, what do you think?" And I said, "Well, listen, stamina is the number one priority in a fighter. The number right. one. There's nothing technique you already have. Once you be fighting, you you got your technique. You can never have too much stamina. It's impossible. You know, always push harder and harder." And I gave him some drills and did some. And it, it, it completely changed his career. He became this guy who was not running out of gas anymore, you know? Right. And it, that, that, this whole career started booming. So he really took a loss to the heart, you know, and he fixed the problem. And uh, see what happened with his career. It was insane. Right. You know, so that was, that was an amazing okay. fight. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that was an amazing fight. I mean, I, I always look back at that as one of the classics because it was – Tito winning every single round, and then he just ran out of gas, and Frank took over. And that was, that was such an amazing fight. But like you said, the only reason he lost is because he ran out of fuel. He was just dominating that fight. And the reason why Frank won, alternatively, is because he had such great conditioning. He was able to just weather that storm and then flip it and win the fight. So that, that was an amazing fight. And then, that was never a problem for Tito again, though. It was never because of his stamina that he, he lost fights, but it wasn't because of his stamina that he lost right. fights. Yeah, I have the same thing. You know, my second fight, I got a little overconfidence into Japan, you know, and I, I got sick and they let me travel on the day of the fight many hours. And I coming from Holland to Japan, night, daytime is nighttime. So right. when you, mm -hmm. you fall asleep like seven in the morning and then yeah. they woke me up at eight o'clock and they let me travel till three o'clock. I'm not, I'm not kidding, man. It was insane what they were doing. That was never afterwards because they said, I, I'm not going to fight anymore. Next time the hotel is going to be close to the place. And there's no freaking way I'm going to do this. It was almost like they were setting me up, you know, and I was throwing up and I was so sick and everything. And I, 
you know, I wasn't in the super best shape, so that, that didn't help, you know, and, uh, and, and that's also, I, I won the fight, but, you know, there was a moment in my mind that I want to quit the fight, and I go, like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it, because I heard the audience shouting for him, they thought he, he had me, and then uh, I, I just pulled through, and then 30 seconds later, I knocked him out with a knee to deliver, and I go, like, okay, now I will, uh, this, this is never going to happen again, you know, I will always come in 100% in shape, so that helped me a lot. And thankfully, I still won. Speaking of you know, shots of the liver, man, you are the king. And when anyone thinks of right. liver shots in MMA, they think of you. And pretty much did that pretty much – was that something that you worked hard on, like when you were in kickboxing, specifically before you transitioned to MMA? And it's just – or I don't know. It was just something that just – like in that situation, did it seem like it was just something that happened? Like, oh, you know what? That worked pretty well. I'm going to focus on this a little bit more now and add this to my repertoire. Yeah, you know, well, what happened was my first Thai boxing class, I got dropped with a liver shot. And I was, I thought it was a badass at the time when I walked in because I was a black belt in karate, I, I, you know, and I, I sparred with all the karate guys, but yeah, I, I could beat everybody up, it was easy. And, but then when I went Thai boxing, suddenly it was a whole different ball game, you know, knees and suddenly punches to the head allowed. So at the moment they started punching to my head, my hands went up way too fast, of course, because I wasn't used to it with karate. And then boom, that a liver shot came. And I, I, I remember it was a lot of pain looking up to the guy. Uh, Osman was his name, and I go, man, what is that? And he goes, yeah, it's where she liver located. He said, it hurts, right? I said, oh, this is insane, you know. And uh, so I, I, I started, I, I started to like it already there. But then, of course, the great and late, unfortunately, Roman Deckers, the, the best part of the box, I always say, yeah. as ever was. He, uh, he, he, he went to, to, to Thailand. And, and start knocking people down with, with body shots and liver kicks. And, and, you know, and I go, wow. You know, so that, that really started, and then I really started sparking on it. My Thai boxing, I have to say, when I was Thai boxing, I just had, I was a, a very angry kid. You know, not a lot of super technique. I, in training, I mean, I would work circles around guys. I around everybody there. But in, in fighting, I didn't have the control yet to bring my training game mm-hmm. to the fighting game. It's a, that's a hard thing to do for a fighter in, in the beginning. You know, some never get it, and, and, and some, some get it right away. And with me, it took a while. And they, they say, oh, yeah, but you knocked 14 guys out. Yeah, but I was all first-round knockouts. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to go to a second round, <laughs> that was, I, I was going to get tired because I just brawled the guy into a knockout. Right. You know? right. and, um, and my life changed in, in, in Japan. In Japan, when I started fighting, and maybe it was the people there, nobody's shouting, everybody's quiet, everybody respects you, the fighters yeah. go up to you before, they're nice to you, like, whoa, you know, <laughs> right. all opened up. <laughs> and uh, and, and I, I, I still, to this day, I say this, I fought, I, I remember to see and think everything, it was, so, it, was, it was so easy to knock the guy out, and I go, it was almost like it went in slow motion. And then the next week, or the next month when I came back from my second fight, they gave me the magazines with all the pictures in there from the first fight. And my facials were like totally relaxed when I would hit him in the face. And when he would hit me or kick me, and my face muscles were relaxed. I, I couldn't believe it because in Thai boxing, my facials were like animalistic, you know, like I just tried ah, kill you, kill, kill, kill. <laughs> and there it totally changed me. And that right away, I could bring the game that I had in training I brought it into the fighting game, and that's when I got. Um, that, that's when I became started to get much much better. Of course, at that time I still had to learn the ground game because uh, they were beating me with the ground game. But uh, once I started learning the ground game, I, I never lost anymore. How fast yeah. did that come to you? Were you able to pick up the ground game pretty quickly? 
You know, I never expected that. What happened was is that I had simply no sparring partners. In Holland, I live in the south. Amsterdam is in the north. When going to Amsterdam, we're the only club is to train there. You know, and plus also when I would go there sometimes, there's three people or four people. And I thought, like, oh, my God, you know. So I, I didn't have a lot of training partners. Uh, in, in, it took a long time to get there. So I didn't go there a lot. And I needed somebody. And after my last loss against Ken Shamrock, I just got very vocal everywhere I went, even in the bars, you know, I would say, uh, say oh, man, I hear you're fighting. So you want to train? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? If you looked at a guy like he was a fit. And I found this one guy, well, <laughs> kid, 19 years old, Leon Van Dyke, and um, super talent. And we started uh, just watching videos, watching submissions, and then doing it ourselves. But see if we could make it better, because sometimes... You know, you, you could escape certain submissions. I said, wait a minute, if you do this, you cannot escape. Now, since I never had a teacher, I never pissed anybody off, so to say, because if the teacher shows it to me like that, then, well, I have to do it like the teacher. But I, we were teaching ourselves. And I got crazy. My wife got crazy. And then I said this in more interviews. I woke my wife up at least six or seven times in the middle of the night because I would dream a submission, I would put her in a submission, <laughs> I would write it down, and day I would use it in training. I'm not kidding, man. The whole house was full with little post-its, with combinations. I was living, breathing. I won my next eight fights by submission. That was the craziest thing ever. These people there, they were like, what the hell is going on now? You know, yeah, one fight that was against Frank, uh, that was by decision, but I controlled him on the ground. That's why I won right. that fight. So that was, that was pretty cool. You know, and at the end of the career, I have actually more submission victories than I have knockouts. <laughs> now, Frank yeah, said it? you were so intense. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Sincere. No, I'm just saying, um, I guess I can, a lot can be said about being obsessed with something, man, and, and having, having focus. And right. a lot of that probably transitioned to your career as well after fighting him. That's something we can get into in just a second. But listen, I want to hear what Mike has to say about this Frank story you're about to go into, man. Before we get well, into you it. know, Frank in his book talked about how you were such an intense guy that you had to write words on your hands so you could look at it and remind yourself, relax, don't, don't, don't just be so gung-ho in all of your fights. Is that true? Did you actually put notes to yourself? Did you write it on your arm, your hands, etc.? No, just, just R. That, that, that came... Oh, okay, you know, that's right, that's right. <laughs> that whole thing came from my, from my crazy time. Well, okay, you have to understand this. I'm used to fighting five rounds of three minutes in Thai boxing, right? Right. right. So, and I'm used to weight classes. Like your, uh, your 10 pounds, 15 pounds, every is a different weight class. Right. Anyway. I go to Japan, we have no clue what to expect there. So we don't know the rules, we don't know how long the fights are, what the weight class is. So we come there, my opponent's 245. Now, I'm like a 200 pounds at the time. So the guy's 45 pounds heavier than I am. So I go, oh, okay, so there's no weight classes. No. I said, oh, great, great, great. I said, so how many minutes are we fighting? How many rounds do we have? And he says, um, well, one round. <laughs> one round. I go, one round, great. How many minutes? 30. And I go, 30 minutes, yeah. I said, oh, man, that's awesome. You know, that's going to be fun. But I looked at my manager, and I go, dude, what the hell are we doing here, you know? This is crazy, 30-minute fights. And since I was that aggressive fighter coming from Holland, I go, like, man, if I lose control early in the fight, I give, and, and the Japanese were known for, you know, being very strong, and I would try to knock them out, but it didn't work, I had 25 more minutes to go, and it was going to be a problem. Right. So uh, that's why I came up with the R on my hand. The R actually means rustig, which is the same, coincidentally starts with the same as relax, which means relax. Mm -hmm. And my corner is really funny because I never had a trainer in my corner. I always had a manager in my corner because I had no trainer. I, I trained myself. 
So uh, the only thing, when I will get hit, you hear my corner shout, stay calm, stay calm, because I'm a, I'm a hothead, you know. I really want to go right away. I want to hit him back. Right. But, um, you know, after the first fight, it changed. I, I kind of never had to do it anymore, but because the first fight was such an unbelievable uh, 43 seconds, I put the guy out, out, out. He went to the hospital, spent two days there, people putting babies in my hands. It was the craziest experience ever, you know? And uh, I was such uh, euphoric. I go, man, it's, now it's a jinx, you know? Now I have to do it, otherwise I jinx it. So the Japanese that, are pretty... Even in my, in my yeah. um, UFC fight, and my last uh-huh. fight, I still had an R on my hand underneath my gloves. I just kept doing it. <laughs> Japanese are pretty crazy fans, and I mean that in the nicest way, because like you said, when you're fighting, it's like they're watching a golf game. You know, Everyone's really quiet. You could drop a pin in there, in that auditorium. But then I think when they see you anywhere, it, you're a huge celebrity out there. Was, was that the case for you? I mean, just everywhere you went, like you just said, people were trying to give you babies to take photos with. And was, well, it a, was, yeah. it a, was it a really big deal for the fans out there when, when they would yeah, see guys like no, you walking around? You, you will get stopped nonstop on the street. Uh, yeah. pre- pretty much a lot of people know you, you know, and then, uh, and, but, but yeah, the, with the babies, it was, it was people bowing to me the next day on the street. I was walking <laughs> in the morning, I woke up and people are bowing to me and I go, I, I bow back, you know, I, I think maybe they do this here in Japan. <laughs> 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 but, uh, and then, and then I realized I was in the golfers of the newspapers because the guy went to the hospital. I hit him so hard, you know, well, and uh, I, he was like really out. And uh, so there, I was an instant, an instant, uh, yeah, known guy there. It was uh, really weird. Yeah. yeah. I always hear a lot of fighters, especially a lot of the guys that came from Pride, like Rampage and all those guys, how much they miss Japan and their fans. And especially when you get here, because you can watch any UFC fighter or Bellator and, Whenever you have guys on the ground, they're pretty much having a chess match going here. But the crowd, gets, they, just want, they have this gladiator, Roman-type attitude where if you're not beating the crap out of each other, then they feel like they're getting gypped, and so they're booing and all that. But that's one thing you don't see in Japan. And, you know, I hear a lot of fighters that fought back in the days, like in Pride, and they'll say that. It's like they miss that because in Japan they would never disrespect you like that by booing just because they understand the game of martial arts. Well, I mean, hell, they pretty much created it, you know. So yeah, it's crazy, man. It's true. It's, it's, it's simply because it's, uh, you know, they don't know. You know, right. it's uh, like we had this guy on the inside of me. I don't even want to talk about him, but I'll, I'll say his first name, some Freddy guy who is a Kung Fu guy, and he says, oh, Jiu-Jitsu is easy. You can learn an armbar in one second. And I go like, Dude, really, you're a coach, and you say something dumb like that? I mean, right. what is that? That's got to be the dumbest thing <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> oh, it's so easy. Why don't you train for two days and do the world championships? You know, exactly. I, was tell, I would love that that guy could be. Good. And then he says that his website says he never competed because he doesn't believe in competing. I go, ah, <laughs> nice. of nice. course, of course, that's yeah. the case. He's, he's that, that, that way, guy. you cover yourself. You're covered. Oh, now. training and competing. Trust me, it's a whole different ball game, and uh, it all looks good if you say, okay, attack me with the right straight. You see, I block it like this. I do like this. Yeah, until somebody hits you with a right straight and unannounced. And then it's going to be a whole different ballgame. Oh, guess what? He throws maybe a left hook before the right straight. You know, and those things that people don't see. It's a, it's a shame that uh, some knuckleheads are actually going online and make themselves even more look dumb. More look dumb. 
Well, well that's the well, beauty. But, of it. They can, they, they can yeah. go online and use a different name or just go be anonymous or whatever, and they're not necessarily looking dumb because they're masquerading as someone else. And a lot of times they know they're, what they're saying is stupid. They just want the attention. You know, that's what they right, call it. They're right. being thirsty. You know, that's what they say online. You know, they're pretty much thirsty for the attention. And Mike says it all the time. And once you start arguing back and forth with these idiots, they've won. So, and that's usually what they want. They just want attention. You, we know they would never probably say that in your face. That, like that guy, Freddie, would probably never come in your face and say that, knowing that he might end up getting a liver shot right there in the next second. And then next thing you know, you probably have him in an arm bar. Okay, so. You know, it's, it's exactly what I said. It's exactly what's going to happen. And uh, what I said already on the show, I say, you never argue with idiots because they drag you down to their level and then they right. beat you with experience. So like, <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's Love perfect. that. Love that. No, it, it kind of reminds me of people. If you go to a live event or you're just hanging out with people, or you're at a bar watching the UFC, there's always that guy who's an expert, right? He's got a Bud Light in one hand. He's got a gut so big he hasn't seen his feet in ten years, and then he's shouting out what the fighters on the screen need to do. It's like, what are you doing that for? You need to do this. This is what he needs to do here. <laughs> this is a guy who's he's never been in a gym in his life. He's never been in a fight in his life, but somehow he's an expert because he's on. I challenge people. I was at the, at the, the doors at the time when I drank a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, no, but it would drive me nuts. I was like at the King of the Cage event and I would and the white trash sits there and then screaming at the guy, oh, faggot, faggot, here's all. And somebody would take it to the ground, you know? And, and, and suddenly I just lost it. Hey, dude, you're there with the body to help. I said, why don't you go in and stuff, guy? Let's do it yeah. there, you know? I said, I'll step yeah. in with you right now. And you're going, oh, 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 oh. I said, no, 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 we go to the ground. I'm going to do that faggot thing that you're talking about. See what happens. You know, the people started laughing, and the guy eventually walked away. But, you know, those things are put a chin in his eye. Who, who says things like that? You know, put your chin in his eye. What? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Of all the movies you could think of, that's the one that came to mind, buddy. You're going to put his chin in his eye. In his eye. (laughs) And how does that look? (laughs) Or or when someone is just saying, oh, this fighter sucks. It's like, well, he's a professional fighter in the ring. So even... He, he may not be good against who he's fighting, but he's going to be better than you, you know, in, yeah. in the bleachers watching the fights. I mean, it's, it's, there's a certain lack of respect that I'm not even a professional fighter, but it just irritates me seeing that because it's, it's just disrespectful, in my opinion. You know, you know, oh, yeah, but they do it in any sport. I always say, that, you know, these guys, they think, oh, I can fight, I can fight. I say, okay, it's like me going to um, Kobe Bryant, and I say, let's uh, shoot who? First guy who makes 10 is going to win. You know? I, really? I really think I'm going to win this game? Or Tiger Woods? Let's uh, play golf, dude. Just, uh, you know? And let's put some money down. <laughs> you know, people have no clue. It's what you do. You do it every day, you know, against other professional guys. It's, it's you know, you got to be really, really extremely lucky to pull one up. Yeah, I mean, right. actually, even going right. against amateur guys, a lot of times you, you hear these comments from people who have never competed in anything in their life, except only thing they're competing for is who can make the dumbest comments next to the other guy. But the thing is, if you've ever had any competition and you've ever just suffered defeat or, better yet, even in terms of fighting, if you've ever been punched in the face once, you would never say this guy sucks. All it takes is one good punch to the freaking face or one good kick to the freaking head. You know, and, I, and trust me, you'll respect it. You'll have nothing to say like, oh, you know what? I got to respect those guys because I've been kicked in the temple before. And I've, I've seen those green curtains close in my eyes. 
which pretty much means I'm about to end up on the ground. Next time I look up, I'm going to see the roof. Yeah, I can respect that. So you, the last thing you want to say is something so stupid and asinine like that. But it's funny that you brought up the whole, the whole situation with the guy in the bar because probably one of my favorite videos I always go back and look at every now and then is to go on YouTube and, and look at some of your videos from, like, your Lethal Street Defense. Street, street fighting on video, man. <laughs> right. And it's always good just to watch that because I think what ends up happening, you have these guys who say, yeah, you know, I can fight, I can fight. And, you know, they'll see these guys in the ring like, well, yeah, that's good for the octagon, but, you know, the thing is, I can fight that guy. But the thing is, I think what people mess up is what happens on the street doesn't necessarily, it's not going to happen in the ring. And yeah. I think that's where they get it twisted. And I, that's where I think that you really pioneered with this when you transitioned from MMA and to becoming an entrepreneur and putting out those DVDs, you know, a while back. I think that really helps these guys understand, like, yeah, you can go to the Kung Fu Dojo in the strip center all day long, but what happens when you're out in the alley and you're going to get a crackhead who's high as a kite or somebody that's high on meth and they don't feel any pain? You're trying to, you're trying to drop them down and try to put them in an arm bar. Good luck with that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's really like that, you know, and it's a, uh... Uh, there's so many d- dumb guys out there, and, and, and bad teachers also, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's, it's insane. I see the stuff what some guys teach, it's, it's just, it just doesn't work. And then I go, dude, this, this is so dangerous because they give their students a full sense of security. They're going to think somebody's going to pull a knife, for instance. Mm-hmm. And then one of the students is there, and his buddy gets attacked with a knife, and he goes to his buddy, hey, Step aside. I got it. You know? <laughs> and then the guy doesn't attack with a chopping emotion coming down like they always do. <laughs> no, the guy's a knife fighter. If you fight a knife fighter, you're gone. Forget right. about it. I'm gone. It's going to be very hard. They will chop you up. Even if you have a knife, the first thing they go for is your weapon. You know, they start cutting up your hands so you can't hold the weapon anymore. For there, it's going to go all downhill. It's that you need a weapon at that moment. You need something that you can create distance with. And that's what I say, you know, right. take a chair, do something. Right. Because now it's a dangerous situation. Right. And uh, it's a shame because if, if, if somebody would die on the street because of that, you know, it's on that teacher, I always say. Yes. That's his, his fault because he chose to learn the wrong way. And this is something I can go on for hours and I get really excited about in, in, a, in a negative way is that uh, – you know, it's almost like teachers don't want to know. Like, I have this instructor course, and my instructor course is like a week, eight hours a day, five days a week, you know, and then you pay a certain money. Now, the money that I ask is $1,250, which is really not a lot of money. If you don't, after that week, you're going to do a, a basic test because there's no way on earth that you know everything I taught you in the right. first week, especially when this is the orange, uh, the yellow and orange level because it's the basics. The basics are the most important. Once you make, make this test, the second test probably is going to be easier because every, everything works on the basics. But people, they come in, and, and you will be amazed how the stupidity, they don't want to learn. You know, they think that after that week, I'm going to give them a black belt. I said, oh, first of all, you're here for your orange belt. Second of all, I'm going to tell you now if you can actually teach or not, just the basic stuff. And from the first 13, I had three guys that passed. And the other ones didn't pass. I say, okay, now this is the deal with me because I'm, I'm, I'm real easy. You can come back next, uh, next month for the next test. We do this whole week again. You don't have to pay anything for it. It's free. I give it to you free. I do the test afterwards. If you don't pass, I will allow you to do it one more time for free. You don't have to pay. Come in. I just want to produce good instructors. You think somebody comes back? No, nobody comes back. They start telling other people, oh, it's way too hard. 
You know, you can't do it. I said, dude, you have a gym? You want to teach the correct way? Well, you have to, you have to do it the correct way. Otherwise, you're going to look stupid. I can't let you make an armbar like you just show me, and then people are going to say, where did you learn that? Oh, from boss. Well, it really stuck. Right. <laughs> so you see, it's, it's almost amazing. It's their life job. It's they own a gym. They don't do anything else than teaching, yet they don't want to learn. It drives me nuts. Wow, you just pretty much summed up pretty much what we deal with in the fitness industry. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> so basically, same crap, different toilet. <laughs> that's what we can call that situation. No, I love what you said about your instructor course because that's something that a lot of people in our industry should take notes on because mm-hmm. we have these two-day certification rackets that are <laughs> rampant in our industry where anyone can show up, everybody passes, and then you're qualified to go teach whatever the subject matter is, which is ridiculous and why – there's, there's so much low quality in our industry because there isn't... It's only because money. It's money. Absolutely. If they can't mess absolutely. you up or, or, or screw you over on the internet, well, they do it that way. Right. You know? Correct. Yeah. Correct. They also, the same as the karate dojos with all these kids with the karate. Nobody, nobody uh, fails a test because, God forbid, man, if you let them fail a kid a test, they have to learn <laughs> to uh, deal with, with failure. Oh, is that not something right. that you want to learn to deal with in life? You know? I get these parents coming to me, oh, my son is a third-degree black belt. Hey, Johnny, come over here. Show the high kick. It sucks. Don't be sucks now. <laughs> I don't understand anything. But I feel like every month they go there and they pay like 35 or $75 for a belt, which cost them 10 bucks. So, and they're outlined the block. There's a, a line outside the block of the studio. And all these kids pass. And you've got to see them walk katas. It's the most hilarious thing ever. It's the dumbest thing and they don't let him fail. It's unbelievable. It reminds me of the comedian George Carlin. He always said that young people need to hear these words. He, t- he gives the example mm-hmm. of some kid, Jimmy, who was a terrible athlete. He goes, Jimmy oh, yeah. hears those growth-producing words. Jimmy, you're a loser. You lost, Jimmy. <laughs> you know? And I, I, I think we're missing out on that. I think you bring up some really good points in that, in that everybody – we have this real wussification in our – society right now where everybody gets a pass everybody's trying to avoid adversity everybody's trying to avoid any kind of pain or discomfort and as a result you're not going to grow into anything admirable whatsoever you're not going to have an exciting life you're not going to be a successful businessman or a, a good athlete or, or just a, a powerful person in in any context period you know there's, there's a youtube video and this is when i watch it i thought they were you know they played a trick on me it was like an april fool's day or something oh man i should have done something it's april fool's to their shit uh, <laughs> um you gotta see that i don't know what it's called this black belt test um, whatever say stupid black belt tests for adults you see adults <laughs> doing a black belt test walking a kata Man, if, if you can't watch that with a straight face, <laughs> I challenge you. It's just unreal, and I guarantee no, you that we have to find that now. Yeah, you know, I have to start. I have to find. I'm looking right now. No, we have, have to, to make it our that. mission to find that clip now. You, you, you sold that to us really well. Every every listener is going to be going. Where is this clip? Let's find it. It's going to go viral. <laughs> Poor people, man. Poor people, and and you know because it's a black belt test that they did the brown belt test. So they should have skill a little, right? Wow. Oh, man. 
Yeah, I'd love to get into your, your training philosophy, actually, boss, because you're always such a well-conditioned guy going into fights. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on the optimal way for, let's say, an MMA athlete. Let's limit it to that to get their strength and conditioning in. And then let's jump. And you can feel free to drop in your whole O2 trainer as well. We can talk about that as well. That sounds really interesting. Okay, well, <clears throat> I, I just always said, just work harder than anybody else. You know, and I just, just, I found drills that would make me really tired. And then I would just do that a lot. I did four times a week, maybe sometimes three times because they were really hard uh, um, circuits. And I would do always a, a power, power, and then a conditioning. And I would do a push-pull exercise. So you work two different muscles every time you do something. And then let's say you hit the back. And then two power exercises again, pushing, pulling, and then... You do like sprawls, and you do conditioning in between. Now, if you right. mix that up, you do every exercise. That's what I used to do, 50 seconds, 5-0, and, uh, which is very hard because we all know that around the 30 seconds, 35, that's where the really elected acid starts hitting, but you've got to keep going. You're, everything you cannot stop, you've got to keep going. Then you have 10 seconds to go to the next exercise, and you do that exercise. And then we would do 12 exercises, so 12 minutes, take a minute break, and do that Set two more times. So it would be like, so in total, you're like 38 minutes. But I'm telling you, man, that was the hardest, hardest workout. And, but it's also the person who does it. Mm-hmm. Right. What I always do is I have to improve every week. So everything I do, I always write down. I write down the weight and how many repetitions I make. Like, for instance, also when I train power training, I always make at least 25 repetitions. I, I like to endurance my muscles because that's what they're going to do in a fight, I always say. Mm-hmm. You know, and... I write down, write down the numbers, and then each week I just try to add a couple of pounds or add a couple of, uh, if I can't add the pounds, I try to do one more rep or two more reps, you know, and just keep writing it down. And if you constantly do that, you know, you, you grow. I always tell, uh, like my daughter says, oh, I want to know, push up, uh, uh, I want to do 50 push-ups. I said, honey, how many can you do now? She said, like 20. I said, I guarantee you within three weeks you can do 50. If you just do it four times a week, you do three sets of maximum push-ups. You go as many as you can. You stop and give a minute and a half break. You do it again. You do it again. And then you do that only four times a week. I guarantee you, you're probably going to be 80 push-ups doing. You know? But you, you can't say, you can't give a number to something. If I'm going to do 10 push-ups now, uh, or if I do 50 push-ups every uh, 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 four times a week, well, I'm going to do 50 push-ups in, in two years from now. You know? Because I gave myself a number. Just break the number. Every time, break the number. Your body will adapt and will get stronger. You know, and, and with these, what I realized also, when you go from, from conditioning exercises to power exercises, then you realize that um, you can actually catch your breath while doing the power training exercises. You know, you find a way when you push out that you breathe out and you breathe in, you know, and it's an actually cool, really cool system. And it's what I also did with when we would uh, be sparring. Inspiring nobody the minute we could not sit down. It was like 30 seconds push-ups, 30 seconds squats, next round. You know, but you don't have to go high five. You push out. You know, you're catching your breath while you're pushing out. And now you train your body to constantly put out energy, even when you're trying to relax. Well, that comes really handy when you're tired in a fight. You know, and those things, that's what I always did. Write down what you do. Eat clean food. You know, and that's it. You don't need all the all the steroids and performing it has to, you don't need it. I never needed it in my whole career. I never used anything. Zero zip. They can put me on a lie detector test. I hope somebody takes me up one day and says, oh, yeah, I want to do it with you because of all these rumors. 
because I will beat guys and they say, oh, he was stronger than me. He's got to be using because I'm using and he cannot be stronger than me. No, it's called right. work ethic and genetics. That's what it is. You know? Yeah, and good right. food. Yeah, you can't I think once you jump to, to, to performing enhancing drugs, you're already not really happy with yourself. The, right. you, you think right. something is not good enough. And I don't think it's a, it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, it's no different than any other drugs you could take, whether it's yep. crack, cocaine, or whatever. Same thing. You're, you're basically, like you said, not feeling good about yourself. And it's very interesting that you brought up the point about the number situation. That's something that I've been doing and teaching my clients for a long time. The first time I do an assessment with someone, you know, I see so many coaches, they want to say, how many push-ups can you do in a minute? And I would always tell them, like, first of all, we're not even going to count. I Because I if I tell you to do 20 push-ups, I guarantee you right around 15, you're going to start fatiguing. You're going to start getting weak and start shaking. And it's not because you can't do 20. You can't do the, the next five. It's the fact that you think that you can't make it to 20. You think that it's too tough to make it all the way, and you're almost to the end. Or what ends up happening, right as you get close to that number that I've given you, you start getting lazy, you stop focusing, your form goes off, because you know you're almost done. So I said that's the equivalent of you knowing that the finish line is right there, but then you just fall down right there 10 yards away. And you pretty much have given yourself an option to not win or not finish. So it's, it's, it's funny that you brought that up, that, you know, that whole numbers thing. I said the problem with we live by the numbers so much, and it just limits us because yep. we'll never know exactly what we can do. That's why a lot of times, you know, and that's one of the beautiful things, like um, I'm a kettlebell sport athlete. One of the things we do is really we train for time. So the thing is not how many reps can you get in 10 minutes. It's more like can you make it to the 10 minutes? Yeah, it sounds like you're living by the numbers with that, but with kettlebell sport, that's a big test. So the thing is if you're in the 10 minutes and you can get through that, you can – probably push yourself to 20. Because the thing is, you realize, like, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? Whereas if I just sit there and go by reps, I'll never know if I can make it past 10 minutes. If I say, okay, I got to do 20 reps in a minute. Okay, so what? Now you've done that. Big deal. You know, that's the difference. And we see a lot of this bickering and fighting in the fitness world, you know, from people who pretty much limit their training to amount of reps to argue against guys who are actually doing more muscle endurance training. I'm like, dude, you, your argument is not valid right now. Okay, so what? You can lift a big heavy weight for, like, what, five times? Big deal, but can you keep going? And that's like the big test right there. Because I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's what the uh, what just take Abbott said one time. He said, "So I, I can bench press six hundred pounds." I said, "I can knock you out." <laughs> what I do think also is, is it's elected acid. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. see that for too much weight. I always realized that. I just went up and weight, and then I realized that you can do almost the same amount of repetitions. You know, it's not the weight, it's the lactic acid that eventually is going to kill you. You know, I, I used to do, because people go like, what would you, would you bench press? I don't know. I say, I bench pressed uh, 200 pounds 25 times. Is that count? But sometimes 30 times. And I, almost every set, when I would uh, do it into an, uh, a circuit. Mm -hmm. So I know I can bench press a lot, but I don't need to see how far I can really go. For me, it's not really important, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I can press, press over four on pass easy, you know, especially at the time, not now, because I'm, I'm injured, <laughs> I'm 49 <laughs> years old. But the people, I, I hope they notice that, don't, don't think that lactic acid is a, the weakness, it's just a lactic acid. If, if, that's why every week, if you just increase the weight, you'll be amazed, you go like, oh my God, I can actually do it. Yeah, right. you can do it. I think it's also important what you were saying about the, the breathing exercise in between the sets. Well, as I call it, that's active recovery right there because, again, you're getting the oxygen into those muscles, and it's kind of helped flush out that lactic acid as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why also, you, because you said with the other trainer, that's why it's, the, with the other trainer, it's such an important thing because you, 
you, you train your whole inspiratory system. A lot of people have no clue. You think your lungs just do the work. It's not. You know, it's your, it's your whole core mm-hmm. what, what, what opens up. And if it opens up, it creates a vacuum between the lungs and between the body, and that sucks it open. And that goes, of course, super-duper fast. Mm-hmm. But that's the, the way you're breathing. So if you, if you breathe with resistance, breathe in with resistance, I don't believe in breathing out with resistance mm-hmm. because then you can't completely empty your lungs, I always say. But breathing in with resistance... You feel your whole core. And the great thing about that auto trainer is that it will teach you. A SWAT instructor put this on my website. And, uh, and he said, you know, I, I used it one day. And the next day I, I did my normal run without the auto trainer and I run better. And, and I, he said, I know this it makes, doesn't make any sense. But I, he said, I started thinking about it. What it does, it, it, it makes you breathe the correct way. It forces you to breathe the correct way. If you breathe through your shoulders like many people do, mm-hmm. but the auto training, you can't pull the air in because you really need to work on your core. And that's why you have a really big core workout as well once you're done with that. Yeah, how did you come more up with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's get into that. Because yeah, I'm like, really curious yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, so how did you come up with the concept of the O2 trainer? You know, as I uh, mentioned before, I, I used to be a track and field athlete, and uh, I was going to be, at the time, the next Bruce Jenner, because he was a gold medalist at the time. The Porter Kardashians, right? The yeah. Kardashian, Kardashians, the ponytail, and the plastic surgery. I know. Okay. I know. But, <laughs> hey, at the time, he was cool yeah. as hell. And, um, and he was really good, man. He was, he was really good, and I loved decathlon. I was good at a lot of things. Uh, high jump, long jump, uh, you know, javelin, discus, shot put. I mean, I, 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 I was doing really well. And, but I also had asthma, and I had real bad asthma. I had eczema, a really bad uh, skin disease, <clears throat> so I had to always wear gloves, and, and my arms would be, you know, it, it looked horrible in my face. But then when I would have an asthma attack, the eczema would go away a little bit, but that would mean an asthma attack was a week in bed, doing everything in bed, I'm not able to eat sometimes because I couldn't breathe, you know. And um, uh, then I would, after the week, I would recoup for three more days, and then I would resume my track and field. And every time when I did my running, the 400 meters, 800 meters, whatever it was, I would break my running times. And it drove me nuts. I go like, what is it? Is it the medication I'm taking that does do, makes this happen? But why is this? And then I went to a doctor's office one time because I was a regular there, trust me. And um, there was a, a big poster on the wall with a drawing of a pair of lungs. And then I saw... I always thought an infection in your lungs, well, as everybody thinks, it's in your lungs, you know, but it's not. It's the, it's the lung pipe, the bronchial. It's infected, and it's very hard for your lungs to pull the air through because it's now such a, a smaller hole. And that was really the ha moment that I looked, oh, my God, of course. I've been breathing for seven, eight days through a freaking straw mm-hmm. in, and in, and in, and working out my lungs really hard. Suddenly, the infection is gone. Now, with my lungs being used to you know, have to work real hard, don't have to work as hard anymore, you know? So that's why, I, so I started experimenting with, like, I had coins from, uh, like, France. They had coins with little holes in them. Yeah. I would put them in front of my teeth, and then I would try to breathe through them, but uh, I realized I was going to die like that, you know, just swallow <laughs> a freaking thing or fall in your lung. So, but it was always in my mind until, uh, and I went to America. All my friends knew about it. It was going to call the Routinizer. That was the original name. And, um, and then eventually Silva was on TV with training his guys uh, at the Ultimate Fighter with a uh, snorkel device. Yeah. Right. And that was when my phone went crazy. And all my buddies that know about my, that thing that I wanted to make, the routinizer, he said, man, dude, you got to make that thing. Somebody's going to come up with it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I started going into the pattern search and all that stuff, and I realized nobody, all the other ones, they control air in and out. And I thought the real key to victory is to control only air in. Because if you control air in and you can completely empty your lungs again, then you, you, you work much more of your inspiratory system. It's like breathing really high. If you're sure breathing high, that's what happens when you control air in and out. But if you can completely unload, then you can use every little bit of your inspiratory system. And man, the reviews are insane. I mean, I have people who play horn instruments. I have the Eagles, the guy who plays for the Eagles for the last 18 years, saying that he has longer, stronger notes. I have singers. I have, of course, athletes. I have people from the Special Air Force Services from, uh, from the UK. It's crazy how many people are buying it, and they love it. And it's a super simple device. It's only controlling the air intake. You breathe in, one side is a flap on one side. It'll close, which will force you to breathe in only to one side. And, and then when you blow out, both sides you can blow out. Now, the side you breathe into is the cap. And the cap has a hole in it of 15 millimeters. That's the one that comes on it. But then there's 14 other caps. And they simply go down from 14, 13, 12, you know, 2 millimeters down. So let's say that these two weeks you've been uh, doing your normal running exercise. You put your O2 trainer in. You start running with your O2 trainer exercise. uh, You do the same exercise as you always do. And when you start feeling... The first time you're gonna you're gonna die. It's you know even when it's a big hole, it's still hard. <clears throat> but when you feel after a couple of workouts, wait a minute, it's going good. That means that your lungs now are adapted. They're stronger. They found a way to pull the same amount of air in that you needed before the O2 trainer through that small hole. So now it's time to decrease that size hole by like simply one millimeter. Now you put the next cap on, and then and you you just keep going like that. You know, some people never go to seven or eight because it's really heavy, but you don't need to. I mean, if you started with 15 and you're going to be on a hole of um, nine millimeter, I mean, you, you made an incredible improvement. And the greatest thing is, because I was an asthma patient, is that every single person, all the reviews you read on my website are real reviews. I didn't coach anybody. There's, no, there's nobody doing that. And uh, everybody, including me, I haven't used my inhaler for asthma for over a year now. I used that inhaler my entire fighting career. When I was in the peak of my career, I still needed my inhaler before a fight. It would always close a little. Then I spray it open, and then I can go for hours. You know, but I need it. If I would sneeze three times really hard, you can ask any every asthma patient that probably has the same problem. Mm-hmm. They need an inhaler to open it up again. Yeah. You know, and now when I read all the reviews from the people that they don't use inhalers anymore, that's how actually how my friend in Europe starts selling it. He has asthma. I gave him an O2 trainer. Ten days later, he calls me. He says, "I want to sell it in Europe." He says, "It is insane. I don't use my inhaler anymore." So that's the biggest group that I really enjoy helping since I was an asthma patient myself. Yeah, it would have been uh, great. Have, it would have been great to have that around when I was growing up because I had severe asthma. I mean, it was to the point where I had a combination of asthma and bronchitis at one point when I was four, and pretty much flatlined for a few seconds there. And I, it would have been great growing up with that. That was one of the reasons why I couldn't really start sports until probably like the latter part of middle school or something like that. And that was actually because the doctor said, you know what, sports may actually help his lungs get stronger against what other doctors have said previously before that. Yep. And, and it would have been great if I'd had this, you know, before then because I probably could have started, you know, peewee football and things like that at a much younger age. But everyone was so afraid that, you know, he's going to get out there, he's going to run out of breath, he's going to collapse, he's going to die. And yep. so it's really good to hear this as someone has suffered with asthma in the early years that something like this that can really help 
those who also have asthma. And I have clients that come to me like, well, you know, I have like sports induced asthma. I'm like, you have asthma. Okay, don't try, yeah, don't try to make it fancy. That's my Boss, where can uh, people find out more about this? How to use it? How to incorporate it into their regimens? How to buy it? Because I'm going to pick one up actually after we're yeah. done with this episode today. So, uh, O2Trainer.com or on Amazon O2Trainer, you know, it's uh, just Google O2Trainer. It'll pop up. We have a medical company who are doing a lot of sales now from us. And it's really cool because there they go to asthma patients, you know, and, and that's kind of stuff that I, I really enjoy. I went to a few doctors here and I, you know, I, I can't say it, but I have my doubts. I think why the reason why they don't answer me back is because I explained about it. I go to a, 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 a doctor that is also a doctor that I had when I was a kid, you know, who are allergic for allergic kids, eczema, asthma, that goes hand in hand always. And I said, listen, I was an asthma patient. I pulled myself out. I became world champion four times, blah, 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 blah. blah. I invented this thing. Please, could you give me a, 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 a call me or whatever? I'll, I'll give them for free to all your patients who have asthma. And I would love for them to try it out because I think, you know, you can cure them from asthma. But you don't hear anything back. And a friend of mine goes like, yeah, of course not, because he's not going to write prescriptions anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're putting him out of business, man. You can't, exactly. You know? He's like, wait a minute, you know, compared to the cost of the O2 trainer and then these drugs that I'm prescribing, I'm not getting a big enough cut out of this, man. So, no, I'm not calling you back. <laughs> well, the problem with the healthcare industry is it's, you're not trying to cure anyone. I was talking to a medic friend of mine. He, he used to work in a hospital, and he got frustrated because it's, it's all about covering your ass, making sure you're not getting sued. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not about providing the best care for anyone to get them healthy and so forth. It's about making sure they don't get sued. You know, that's the number one priority, right? <laughs> but then, it, then it's also about getting paid. So they're like, well, you know, just so if we cure all this, they're not going to buy the medications anymore. So I, could, that's, I, think, it's, I think it's pretty clear that's what's going why you're not getting calls back at least at least from my point of view is that it's going to cut into their pay pack pocket a pay it's going to cut into their pocket you take away their money man exactly. <laughs> and, and it's not that they're not they don't even have the mindset anymore of trying to cure anyone it's all about not getting sued and managing symptoms and paying off all that debt from medical school too <laughs> and those loans oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah i threw that in there <laughs> Boz, we know you're busy, so uh, the one last question, I don't know if you have any last questions sincere, but one thing I okay. wanted to make sure I asked you before you have to take off is, what, what's your prediction for the Glover Teixeira versus John Jones fight coming up later this month? Interesting. You know, it's a, like, um, it's a, it's a very uh, hard one to call. If Glover does it, he's going to probably do it in the first round, and then uh, and uh, can he overcome the reach advantage from Jones? Jones is really good with that, really tricky with that great with his legs, how he uses them, mm-hmm. you know, but, and, and, and on top of that, I think, uh, Jones has the stamina also to go to five rounds. Yes. You know, but like Sharon's he's a freaking monster. I mean, look at his record, you know, so yes. if he comes in and he comes in super prepared, uh, the, I, I wish actually I, I would have sent him a note to trainer. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, because that, it's all about that, you know, he's, right. <laughs> he's a guy with the fast twitch fibers and that's a guy that I, I am too. I'm very explosive. Mm-hmm. But the, the bad thing that comes with it is you're going to need a big gas tank, you know, and you need to know when to explode and when to take a break. And, and if you don't have that control, if you get caught into a, in, into an, uh, in, in a banging war, so to say, you know, slug war, then some right. guys run out, of fa- uh, run out of gas real fast because of that. You know, they have so much power that just needs a lot of oxygen. Right. And, uh, so, so, so I think that if, if um, Teixeira is going to pull it up, it will be in the first, second round. 
I think otherwise, probably Jones, I think, either by decision or maybe he stops. I don't know. He's he's, uh, he's so well-rounded nowadays, you know. Right. Yeah, like I said, it's like Cheryl also. This is really a progressive. Right. Now, did you send John an OT trainer as well, or just, <laughs> just Glover? <laughs> I, I think a, a long time ago I introduced people to it, but uh, you uh, know, a lot of guys now they, they you know you kind of get stopped at the management or something, you know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want right away money out of it, and I go, dude, I'm, uh, I'm a starting company. I'm doing this myself together with my wife, you know, who does actually the most work. I just invented. I'm the pretty face, but that's right. about it. You know, and it's it's hard. You know, try to all the money goes out. There's almost more money go out than comes in, especially in the right. first year and a half. You know, right. and then finally, when things starts running, it gets better. Now I'm going to do no infomercial, and uh, let's see whether where that's going to go. <laughs> well, I look forward to trying it out personally. I'd then yeah, order in mind right now to speak. <laughs> yeah, definitely give you some feedback, and we both have big audiences ourselves, so we'll. Look forward to getting you some feedback and really getting this out there after we have a chance to use it. Is there anything you'd like to plug, Boss? Anything you have coming up? Any projects? Um, well, actually, I'm uh, in the next uh, Kevin James movie. We're going to oh, start cool. uh, filming yeah, May 1st in Las Vegas for two months. It's oh, fantastic. Uh, Paul Cop 2. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the one he did before Paul Blart, Paul Cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm going to be a bad guy this time. I don't think people are going to recognize me. I'm not going to say why, but uh, it's, it's fun because I like it for that. Well, I live in Las Vegas. I may see you guys around. I'll try to. I'll try to get oh. an extra role, so I'm in the background somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Nick Newell. Nick Newell was an extra, and here comes the boom. <laughs> he just wants to be there because he said it was fun. You know, an MMA movie. Yeah, just yeah no doubt. So, and and uh, when is yeah, Inside MMA than, uh, on? When is Inside uh, MMA on, boss? Because we know you're a top MMA, Every Friday night on uh, Access TV. You okay. really want to check it out. If you're a fan, you know, you, I, the, the comments, the compliments I get from older people. I mean, 60 years old or, you know, like, you, the people who come to me, I had neighbors here who were here only for like a year. And they were very introvert, not really, you know, showing uh, uh, anything. Hey, how are you doing? Very nice. But they would never start a conversation or something, and right. uh, you know, just very into their own. And and they, um, this woman knocks on my door and she says, "Can I use your phone?" They locked, she he locked me out, and I forgot my phone. I said, "Sure, here's your phone." You know, she she made a phone call and I said, "Oh, thank you very much." And, she, and then she gives a phone back. She says, "By the way, we love your show." And I go like, "I that was the last people I would have expected <laughs> watching mixed martial arts shows." So that's cool. And at airports, you know, people coming up yeah. to you and talk about it. And like, it's just a fun show. And, it uh, is, man. It's definitely it is fun. fun. You show. and Kenny have a good time, man. We really do. He's a great guy. Ron Kroc is going to fall in for him this week. Kenny has to do boxing again in New York. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got a, a, a nice little trio going there. Awesome. So that, that came out wrong. <laughs> so, folks, check out Boss's website, bossrootin.com. Check out o2trainer.com as well. You can also go on YouTube and you can see a bunch of clips from Boss demonstrating it. You can see actual workouts with it. So it's, it's definitely something really interesting. Both Sincere and I are going to be trying it out, so we'll definitely report back and keep yeah. our listeners updated, and we'll give you some feedback too. But thanks so much for coming on. Real really pleasure. Yeah, I've been a fan really of yours for a long Thank time. Thank you very much. I had a lot of fun, guys. Thank you. You take care. Have a great afternoon. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Again, that's Boss Rudin, MMA legend. Real pleasure having him on. That was just a super cool guy. Really cool guy. And make sure to check out his website at bossrutin.com and also the o2trainer.com again.
Yeah, definitely, man. I'm sitting here trying to put in my order and talk to you guys at the same time. I've been like, keep talking, Mike. I'm trying to type, man. That's a pitch right there. Sincere couldn't even wait for Boss to finish his pitch. He's right there in the, he's right there in the middle of hey, it. Dude, when you start order. talking, when you start renting, that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about story and having a story to tell when you have a product. Right, right. And that's that's what sells people. People. I mean, there's it a is. lot of products yeah. out there, but. I resonated with that story for the fact I was that kid that grew up with asthma and that pretty much yeah. wanted to participate in sports and really could not. And th- yeah. there's another, um, there's another little mouthpiece thing that I use, and you guys may see like on some of the videos I've had, a couple of videos I have on YouTube where I use that as well. And that was like my introduction to this type of training, and it really helped me when I was training for long cycle doing kettlebell sport, which is what the event I started with when I got my first time in kettlebell sport. And it really helped me out a lot with my endurance and with my breathing and learning how to be calm because it felt like death. You know, but but the way that Boss described the way his O2 trainer is designed, that right there is very optimal right there because, again, you know, I'm tinkering on the idea of going back to long cycle now just because I've been working so much on my pressing and I actually just want to see where I am now. And if not, even may right. go to biathlon because snatch is right something that feels very natural to me. No, Mike, don't insert any jokes. So, okay. so <laughs> We've already but, done that enough times. So I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> thank you. You know, but so then I thought about, you know, what if I, you know, transition to actually go to biathlon and incorporate the jerk? So one thing about it, I already have one thing working against me for the fact I have a very long reach. So that right there has always been my Achilles heel with jerk and even with the, the latter part of long cycle. And, but I want to make sure if I'm dealing with that reach and that long fall down with the bells, the last thing I want to worry about is my breathing and my cardio or anything like that. So that's another reason why, hey, dude, you didn't have to, you didn't have to say any more, boss. I'm on it and, and I'm typing things up and I'm, I'm getting my order in right now as we speak. And, hey, like, no, like the Mike said, second, second I heard him bring up, yeah. Now, the second I heard him say asthma, I knew you were, you were going to order me. I go, I bet Sincere's ordering that right now. And then, and then when he talked about the benefits of it for what he's doing, I go twofold. One, asthma. Two, perfect fit for kettlebell sport, you know, if it works out the way that he talked about. So, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see your feedback. And then if you do well with it, I'm sure everyone on your you work with is going to want to use it. And then, you know, Ken's coming. Ken Blackburn's coming on the show tomorrow. He's probably going to hear this episode today. He's probably already thinking, huh, I need to get this for everyone on my team. I'm going to give it a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll give my honest feedback. If I don't get hey, anything man. out of it, I'll say that. I, I, I have a good feeling that we're going to get something out of this, though. I just, uh, just have a good feeling about it. If I like this thing and, it's really, and it really does what I really want it to do and help me get to where I want to go next, don't be surprised if you see this. In my mouth. Oh, God, let me take that back. Don't be surprised. <laughs> I want to edit that part out. <laughs> yeah. So, don't be <laughs> See, I had, a, George, I had a GSP <laughs> moment. I had a GSP moment. Like, my brain was like, don't say that. Don't. Oh, he said it. Damn. Okay, so don't be surprised if you treat me with this. Right there. <laughs> don't be surprised if you see this in my mouth, and that's it. No context whatsoever. <laughs> so don't be surprised if you see me with this contraption. This tool, you know, why, why do you come out to Vegas to our workshop? Which leads us to what we're going to talk about next. Yeah, okay. I'll just to finish that order while I talk about yeah, thank you. Signed up. I'll give you a few minutes there. Folks, I mean, as, as we talked about before we had Boss come on, we, we decided to start letting people register for our course in September, which, again, is me, Mike Mahler, Sincere Hogan, Kim Blackburn, Steve Cotter, two days, Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., September 2021 in Las Vegas. It's going to be kettlebells, bodyweight training, program design, and we're putting together a ton of fun extracurricular activities. I actually just talked to a good friend of mine yesterday about setting up a group hotel deal at Mandalay Bay on the Strip. 
And the great thing about Mandalay Bay is that it's at the beginning of the strip. So it's not too far from the venue, which is more where I live in the suburbs, but it's, it's a straight shot from there to the venue. So that'll be perfect because the strip is where all the fun is. Beautiful hotel for those of you that have never been to Mandalay Bay before. They have a bunch of venues on site for live music. They have an, a fake beach where they have live music every evening, not, not every evening, but on a lot of evenings in the summer and all the way up to September. So there may be a good gig as well. So anyway, we're going to work out all of those details. Don't even, don't even worry about that. We're going to set up the extracurricular activities. We're going to set up a group hotel deal. You don't even have to worry about that. But what you do have to worry about is making sure you sign up right now, because right now you can sign up for the course at the lowest price it's ever going to be, seven ninety nine ninety five. We've already had 16 people sign up from our VIP list. We had about 65 people on the list. 16 of them have signed up since I made this announcement to the group in 24 hours. So I sent all 70 people an email basically saying that we're going to start taking registrations. Here's some brief information about the course. Not detailed. I didn't send them ad copy because we may not even do any ad copy for this course. You know, if I can avoid having to waste my time putting together page after page of ad copy to put on my site, because I hate writing ad copy, folks. Yeah, I, I can do it fairly well, but I hate it. I hate it. I, will not, I don't look forward to it at all. And I'm excited about this promotional method because we're almost halfway there to what is our maximum number, which is 40 people. I mean, we'll probably be at 20 by the end of today. So we're going to be 50% occupancy. I wouldn't be surprised if we sell out the course this month. I wouldn't be surprised at all, given how fast those 16 came in. You can always tell how well a workshop is going to do by how fast the first five registrations come in right after you make an announcement. Right. Okay, we had 16 come in in the first 24 hours. Usually it takes a long time to get 16 people for a course. And 16 people for a course, which is not even on any of our websites, it's not even until September. It's only April right now. It's April 1st. But these people are excited because they've been listening to the show. They hear the passion and sincere of myself. They know it's going to be a great course. So, I mean, anyone who's like, well, I need detailed information on what you guys are going to teach. No, you don't. No, you don't. Kim Blackburn, Steve Cotter, Sincere Hogan, and me. We could go teach the course right now without any preparation, and it would be killer. And everybody would leave completely excited. I mean, between me and Steve Cotter, we've taught like 500 courses. And then you throw in Ken, it's probably 1,000. <laughs> you know, you, right. you throw in Sincere has been teaching a lot, too. It's, there's a lot of experience between the four of us. And we've all worked well together before. We all know each other really well, so we're going to vibe really well. And, and we're all committed to doing a great job. It's not going to be where Sincere is in front of the room and the rest of us take off you know, to go play black. <laughs> we're going to stay outside and help him out because we're going to have 40 people in the room. I don't expect Sincere to have to, to have to handle that all by himself, even though he can. I'm going to be around because I'm familiar with his system. And then he's going to be around because he's familiar with mine. I'm familiar with Ken's. I'm, Steve's familiar with all of ours. You know, we're, we're all, we all know each other's respective training systems really well. So we're going to be able to help each other out. And we want to be on site so that you can come up and talk to us during those breaks. Like our friend Anthony Roberts said, who was on the show last week, those, those moments where you get to talk to one of the instructors at the bar after the gig or you're at, you're at dinner and you get to ask a couple questions or just during one of the breaks during the day, those are the things you really remember. Yeah, the instruction's great, no doubt about it. But it's experiences in life that you really take away. And it's going to be the fun times you have in September that you're really going to remember. You're going to meet other cool people. You're going to be in one of the funnest cities in the world. I mean, Las Vegas is the internet entertainment capital of not only the U.S., but just the world, period. 
So you're going to have a blast here. There's no way you're not going to have a good time. We're going to set this up really well. So here's what we're doing now. We're not doing this whole send us an email and we'll put you on the list to send you some information someday. No, no, no. We're not doing that anymore. We're past that point now. Now what I want you to do is this. If you're serious, you know, don't waste our time. We won't waste your time. If you want the payment link, email us, mike at llapodcast.com or sincere at llapodcast.com. I will email you back brief information. If you're looking for detailed information, that's not what you're going to get, just a paragraph on what we're doing and the payment link so that you can sign up. Once we get this course, if and when, rather, I should say, we get this course in our respective websites with the detailed ad copy, the price is going to go up 400 bucks. It's going to go up to $1,200. Right now, you can get in for $799.95. So you can save $400 just by being committed to a course you want to attend and doing it right now. And then we'll get you updates on hotel information, everything else you need to know. You're going to get that way before September. So don't even worry about it. I've done a lot of courses. I know how to do these things really well. But we want people that are committed to signing up right now. So don't email us to be put on any list because there is no list anymore. Now we want people that are ready to sign up. You're going to send us an email. I'm going to send you a payment link. And I expect you to pay. I expect you to sign up in 24 hours. You know, don't ask for the link if you're not prepared to pay. Because at this point, we want registrations, not people that want to get on a list so they can think about it for a few more months. We already have 16 people that are committed. Yeah, we're Chasing, a little bit over a third away from, from yeah. filling this thing up, you know. It's, it's, it's the maximum number that we want to, you know, exactly. the maximum number that the gym can hold. <laughs> so I had a guy go, what about this? What about that? I'm like, look, man, I don't even have time to answer any of your questions. I can, all I can tell you is that this course is going to sell out whether you sign up or not. <laughs> all right. That's just the way it is right now. It's just, yeah. This is not one of those courses where we're having like a really hard time getting registrations and we really have to go out of our way to just get every last person. You know, we're just pulling teeth to get every last person possible. <laughs> just reminds me of the good old days, like when I did Boys Are Back in Town, where I just announced it and like 40 people signed up in the first week and we're like, whoa, what happened there? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, this got me really excited Sunday night when I sent this email out and within five minutes, Stephen Costello from Australia signed up. So here's the guy coming from Australia. And then one of my former online clients from my hometown, McLean, Virginia, Tarek, he signed up, bam, right away. And then one of his friends, Ayad, signed up, bam. And then Willie Allen, who's a... Yeah, Willie's, like, uh, yeah, Willie's a great guy. He yeah. sends me and sincere feedback all the time. Bam, he signed up the next day. My boy Mark- Pete, man. Pete, the same way. This dude's never been to Vegas in his life. He's, he's on my team um, with Ken. We're on Ken's kettlebell sports team. And Pete was like, you know what? I need a vacation. I want to learn from you guys. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to put on the, the credit card, and I'm out there. I don't care. As soon as you guys announce it, I'm in. I just saw he posted on my timeline on Facebook yesterday. He was like, hey, man, I'm registered. I'm good to go. Yeah, okay? yeah exactly. <laughs> So Willie Allen signed up, Mark Richard signed up, Mike Nogler signed up, Preston Robinson, guy who took my from Atlanta, took my course in New York City last year, he signed up. My online client Tony Norton signed up, Ed Pazishki, excuse me if I butcher any of these names, he signed up. <laughs> Jay Nelson, Robert Ladin, Ladintu, Ben Martinez. Oh, I can't. I'm oh, so ben. glad. Oh, awesome. Ben, I'm so glad you signed up, man. Ben is the guy. You guys interrupt me in particular. You interrupt the guest too much. Oh, boy, Ben. Anytime you say a word, Ben, I'm going to be interrupting. 
happy. I, I can't. <laughs> oh, you have a real quick question. It's like, Ben, hold on a second. <laughs> Ben's going to be at dinner, like, trying to talk to someone. If I'm within, like, earshot, I'm going to be interrupting him. He's going <laughs> to Kanye you all weekend long. <laughs> and, and we're going we're gonna to have some fun with you for sure, buddy. Now, ben, Ben's a really cool guy. He took my course in Vegas with my friend Christos Dimitros, Dale Hart. This is back in uh, 2010, I think, 2010 or 11. Super cool guy. What am I also one of my former online clients? Super nice guy. Bob, you signed up, and there's one more signed up today. Let me let me find his name real quick. I think it's Scott Green who signed up. Oh, um, okay, my mic is Green. Scott Green signed up. That's it. So that's that's 16 in 24 hours, and you know, obviously, I'm not sitting around checking my email while we're on the podcast. So I'm yeah. For all, I see a bunch of sales that have come in, which could be my products or it could be more registrations for the course. But yeah. bottom line, folks, is when, when 16 people sign up like that, there's no doubt we're going to hit 40 by September, long before that. I, I, yeah. I feel strongly that we're going to hit 40 this month. That's my honest opinion. Yeah, real cool, Scott, that you know, Scott also signed up. Scott actually came to the last course that Mike and I did here in Houston. Oh, actually, cool. no, I take that back. No, Scott was like the first course that you and I did together in okay. 2010 at uh, CrossFit Houston. Um, and then he also came out to a couple of certifications that um, I helped teach with Ken and also competed with me last year in um, New Orleans. And um, so, yeah, Scott, it's good to see Scott. Actually, he's out in L.A. now. <clears throat> so he wasn't losing that, but he's out in L.A. now. So, yeah, quick drive for you, Scott. So, yeah, you don't have to worry too much about travel, but, you know, props to you, man, for signing up right away. Appreciate that. Looking forward to seeing you again. Uh, hold on one second. I got, we got to give props to one more person, too. I, I just got an email from Boss Rutten's assistant, Jack okay. Henry. And he basically said, Boss told me to ask you for your address, and he will send you and Sincere some O2 trainers for you guys to try out. Oh, now wow. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. okay. Maybe, that's, maybe that's the universe, because right now, the entire time you were talking, hold on. the entire time you were talking, I kept trying to place my order, but freaking PayPal is shut. It's like offline right now it's actually stupid funny. and said, we have a problem right now and i could not get my order and i was kind of getting pissed over it. i'm like bitch take my money okay i'm trying to give you money over here paypal help a brother out and so i just went and got my credit card and just as i was getting ready to start typing that information in here you go but you know what here's the deal even though first of all props to boss for doing that i'm still gonna buy one i'm still gonna buy one and you know what i might give it away i might give it away at the course he, he was so nice to come on the show. He spent an hour with us. We know the guy's busy. That yeah. I, I mean, that I'm gonna, I mean, that's super nice for us to send us that. I'm I'm gonna I'm happy to take it, but I'm gonna buy one too because I want to support his business because exactly. you know we deal with people like that all the time ourselves. We're always trying to get free stuff from us, right? And not not neither one of us asked boss to send it to us to to give ourselves both credit because we don't do that kind of thing. But I, but I always love when I get an email from someone I, I've never met before who's like, well, you know, I work in a doctor's office and. I'd love to test drive your testosterone booster, and if it works well, then I'll, I'll talk to the doc about carrying it here. I was like, okay, go ahead and buy it, man. Let me know how it works out for you. Right. you know? <laughs> I think I'm going to send it to you. you know, I've got all of these loyal customers that are buying it month after month after month, and I'm supposed to send some jack-off I've never heard of, a free bottle for a maybe he'll do something. First of all, I could care less whether the doc carries it or not. I'm not looking for anyone to carry it. I'm, I'm looking to sell directly to the customer so I can provide the best service possible at the best price possible. And then it, it just irritates me when, you know, if you want something, if you're trying to ask me to send you a free bottle, just say that, right? Don't, don't have right. like this roundabout way of saying it either. I work in a doctor's office. <laughs> like, okay, mooch. Yeah. 
as well. <laughs> you empty the trash cans. <laughs> you know what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> tell the doctor. Tell the doctor to send me an email. You know? Exactly. Well, let me hear from the man himself. Who are you? <laughs> so, come on. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I can't tell you how excited. I mean, I, I've been excited about this course in September. I mean, I know both of us have, but it's it's. I'm really ex- I'm really excited about how many people from our podcast list have signed up. That really makes me excited because we've been working hard. We've been banging out the show every week. Good episodes, great guests. We're, we're getting close to our one-year mark of, of doing the show. Yeah, and then sometimes, away. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you wonder, like, yeah, you know, we're getting a lot of positive feedback and we're both getting sales, but, you know, how, how well is this show really impacting our businesses? You know, is it really worth doing? Now, we both love doing it, so, I mean, that, that alone makes it worth doing. But, you know, sometimes you have that question mark in your head, is this, is this really helping my business a lot or am I better off doing other things? And this kind of answers that question in very well in that yeah. with this, this show has been incredible for promoting this course because if we just wrote ad copy for this course and put it on our websites, I guarantee you we wouldn't have had this kind of response because the one thing about ad copy is, first of all, it's long, so a lot of people don't want to read it, which I get. And number two is you don't hear someone's excitement through ad copy, no matter what you say in it. If you try to get real excited in ad copy, it just comes off contrived. Right. It comes fake over the top. But when I think when our listeners hear you and I talking about this, they hear the excitement, the genuine excitement that we're committed to putting on a great event. And I think that's why people are following suit. They want, they, they want to be a part of the show in their own way. They're going, man, this is, this is a, a course that is connected to the show, which I love, and I can't wait to get out there and hang with these guys. Exactly. So, yeah, and finally, my order went through. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, looking forward to trying this bad boy out, man, and like I said, I hope, you know, hopefully I can have that bad boy and show you guys how it works when you come out to the course. Just one more thing. In fact, it's just going to add to the fun of what I'm going to be presenting, you know, during the course, so... Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, man, if, this, if, if we both really like this O2 device, then I'm going to contact Boss about putting in an order to get one for everyone who's taking the course. Yeah, that's pretty awesome right there. Now, now notice I said putting in order, not contact Boss about, hey, how about sending <laughs> out a free O2 trader to everyone who's taking the course? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like these people are paying us, and then he's supposed to send us free product to give to That always sounds stupid, doesn't it? It's like, it's okay, like, so you guys are getting paid well, and then I'm supposed to... You want to, something for free. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I'll suck. Well, ass. I'm not coming back on the show again. <laughs> so as you can see, even Grover thinks that's a bad idea <laughs> to sit there and want it for free. <laughs> so, all right, people. So, looking forward to that. Again, hit us up, Mike at LLAPodcast.com, sincere LLAPodcast.com. Only if you are down and ready to sign up for this course, Mike's pretty much giving you all the details you need. There's nothing else to worry about here. Just get on, get on the ball, sign up. We'll see you in September. In the meantime, what you can do is also hop over to both of our websites, go to newwarriortraining.com, and type in the coupon code LLA, and you'll get 30% off my physical or digital copy of my DVD. Or you can get 30% off, or better yet, and you can get 30% off of my Weight Management 101 course, which we've been talking about a lot in the last few shows. Go over there, man. First of all, you just read the ad copy on that and see the video. The ad copy is not super duper long. It gets right to the point. You see what you're getting. You, you, get the, you get all the meat and potatoes right there. It's not all this over-top madness. 
because I don't like typing all that madness either and typing up 20, 30 pages of ad copy. I have other things I would like to do. I just really, I'm not a writer. I'm a talker. Haven't you guys figured that out in the last 11 months with this show? I like yeah, to talk. They're like, damn right, you're right now. Shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, damn right. Now go over there and get the course. Okay. Where you'll get PDFs, audio, video, all that comes with the course. Simple. You get 30% off when you use the coupon code LLA. And also, this is what you get when you hop over to MikeMahler.com. Speak, yeah, Mahler. You can, you can, you can, <laughs> hey, notice I didn't interrupt Boss one time this show. I'm getting better at this whole thing. Well played. Well played. <laughs> well, it's also like, you know, I don't want to interrupt a guy because then I see him in person somewhere and he's like, you know what? Never shot. Here at TV. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's for all the interruptions on the show. You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, if there's ever a guest I'm not going to interrupt, it's going to be him. That's for sure. I'm going to shut up this time. You know, Use that coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my products, my testosterone booster, my recovery oil, my Restorezyme for helping you recover and get rid of that inflammation, joints, joint pain, etc., and then you get 10% off any of my videos, my T-shirts, eBooks, basically the whole shebang. You're not going to get an extra 10% off the course, okay? We already have that price low right now. So don't, don't, don't think that you're going to get into the course for a lower price if you hold out. It's like, well, maybe, you know, last minute they're going to try to fill some spots. Uh-huh. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens, I'll be honest, in previous courses. But that's not going to happen with this course, man. That's guaranteed. Guaranteed that's not going to happen. So again, use that coupon code, email us to, to get the link to sign up for the course, and take charge of that, man. We'll see you guys in September, and we'll look forward to putting out another great show for you. There you go. So we'll catch each and every one of you on the next show, everyone. Keep that feedback coming. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Take care, everybody.